Hello, fellow Witcher lovers, and welcome to episode 40 of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review, where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give you my detailed thoughts on it. Today, the discussion is going to be about chapter five from the Tower of Swallows. Well, I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I got into the habit of recording these on Fridays, and I'm always in a really good mood on a Friday, like a lot of people usually are because you're about to start the weekend and uh, I could really use it right now. Nothing bad's going on. I'm just ready to not have to work. So <laughs> it should be good. I don't even know what exactly I'm going to be doing. Probably mostly just relaxing, but either way, it should be a nice time. Well, I am just going to go right into the chapter. I don't really have anything interesting to talk about that is not Witcher related. So I'll start with the recap from last chapter and then I'll go through the summary and then we'll discuss it. I think you know the drill by now, but <laughs> I don't know. I always think that maybe somebody new might just tune in on episode 40 for whatever reason. I don't know how people find this. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that anybody listens to it at all. I'm very grateful to you guys who listen. I just like, I, I honestly have no idea how people find it. Like I just put it out there and then it's, it somehow presents itself to you. It's like, it's like magic. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So for your refresher of the last chapter, Boneheart got Siri equipped with a high-quality sword and forced her to kill men in an arena for entertainment. Tony Al employed Hansa to find and investigate Boneheart and what he's doing with Siri. This Hansa included a woman known as a psionic who can read others' thoughts and control people with her mind. All right, here's what happened in the chapter we're discussing this week, chapter five. In the town of Reed Bruna, Geralt is brought before the prefect Folko Artevelde. In an interrogation room, the guards bring in a captured young gang member called Angolem, who was offered a kinder execution for delivering information on her previous leader, Nightingale, who's been committing atrocious crimes and Artevelde is determined to arrest. Angolem explains that Nightingale was hired by a half-elf to kill Geralt on his way to finding the druids in Tucson, even though Geralt wasn't even aware that the druids had moved to this location. Folko asks Geralt to help him take down Nightingale before the amnesty is declared, and Geralt agrees on the condition that Angolem can join the company. Later, when discussing the updates with the group, they focus on the fact that the half-elf and Nightingale believed their company to have four members, not five. Not five like they've had prior to Angolem joining. Geralt expresses his suspicion that the reason for this is because Kahir is working with the enemy and they're meant to kill everyone in the group except for Kahir. Obviously offended by this accusation, Kahir hits Geralt and the two fight until Milva breaks it up by whipping them with her belt. A couple of days later, Geralt apologizes to Kahir and the group and tells them the reason the enemy was mistaken about their company size was because they've been monitored by magic, which cannot detect vampires, and that the sorcerers who've sent the half-elf after them were Vilgefortz and Yennefer. He also announces that during the night of the equinox, Ciri died. Since they now believe their efforts to find Siri to be futile, they decide to set off to exact revenge on those responsible for her death. 
Milva, Regis, and Dandelion set out for the Duchy of Toussaint to find the Druids, and Cahir, Geralt, and Angolim take off in the direction of Belhaven, where the Half-Elf should be. Okay, so let's get into this stuff because there is definitely some really important things that we got to unpack. So the beginning of the chapter, they had just arrived in Reedbruna, where they were escorting the beekeepers. So when we left off with the group, um, which was not in the previous chapter, but I guess two chapters back, they were escorting these beekeepers to the slopes. And there's this town of Reedbruna in the slopes that they were supposed to be escorting them to. So they just got there. And then the beekeeper, like the main dude beekeeper, he finds out from a relative in the town that the Druids have moved to a place called Loch Mondorin, I don't know how you say it, but it's, it's a lake and it's only 35 miles west from the town. So they decide that they're going to stay overnight so they can take some time to stock up on food and supplies and spend the night in an inn. So they're not going to head straight there. They're going to take a little bit of break from their journey and stay in, in you know, get some drinks and take a bath. And it was actually um, Dandelion's idea to stay at the end. And I totally respected that decision, even if that meant spending a little extra money <laughs> because they've been traveling and sleeping outdoors for so long now without a proper bath without sleeping in a bed. So I, I'll be requesting that too. I totally understood where he was coming from with that. I think Geralt was hoping to rush right out, but everybody else was like, okay, hold on, let's get our bearings here. Let's, you know, take the time to, let's take advantage of being in a town where we can stock up on stuff and rest and probably uh, re regain some sanity. <laughs> so uh, in the end, that Geralt and Dandelion go to. Uh, this is where he gets approached by these Imperial soldiers who bring him to this Folco uh, Artevelde guy, and um, they bring him into this interrogation room. So Artevelde starts by asking him lots of questions like why he's in the slopes and why he means to continue journeying south. He confirms Geralt isn't under arrest, but it seems like he's being interrogated. And it really felt like Geralt was about to be in yet another situation, like the one with Visigurd, and then he's been in others similar to that in the past too. Uh, the chapter's first paragraph is told from Geralt's point of view when he's in the room with Artevelde, and he's thinking, how do I get out of this pickle? Like he's looking around at the surroundings and he's thinking that and you're like, oh my God, what's going on now? <laughs> Plus the location, you know, it's an interrogation room. There's a chair with straps on it meant for torturing. And he's getting asked all these questions by a Nilfgaardian prefect. So it did really seem like that was going on. But it all becomes more clear why Geralt was brought there after they bring Angolem into the room. So Angolem. Uh, she's a new character. Obviously, we haven't met her before. Uh, there was actually one very, very brief mention a few chapters back by Dandelion, but uh, there was no context given, which is actually why I, I've considered adding that into the little um, discussion in the episode where we covered that chapter. But then I thought, no, I'm going to wait until we actually meet her because, I mean, what am I even going to say? Like, they didn't really tell you who she was. It was just uh kind of thrown in there very quickly and then immediately not talked about again until this chapter but i did consider it i was like okay i'm gonna save it until we actually have some stuff to talk about which we do so she looks very similar to siri when she was first brought into the interrogation room Geralt needed to try and calm himself because he thought that it was siri in fact she looked so much like siri that it was objectively written out this is a quote, the guards shoved Siri into the room. Like the 
book itself was mistaken about it being Siri. And you know what? The first time I read this, my heart actually skipped a beat. I was like, how? I was so confused for, you know, for a second. It's cleared up really quickly. But I was so confused and I thought it was going to be some really major twist. And to be honest, I was slightly annoyed that it was written that way when it was established it wasn't Siri, just a girl who looked like her. Like, I was honestly a little bit irritated by that thinking like okay they just got me like super excited and a little bit nervous like like carol and siri were about to be reunited and i'm thinking like well i know she was with bisogoda so many thoughts were going on in my head like i don't know how she could possibly be here like wasn't this during the time where she was with boneheart like i was so confused but i was expecting a big twist and then when it didn't happen i was like oh okay so this is just some random character <laughs> But uh, Anne Glem is, she's pretty interesting. So Anne Glem likes to call all men nuncle and all women auntie, which no one seems to like, especially Milva, who warns her not to call her that again. And then when she does, Milva whips the shit out of her with her belt, like hard. So I don't know if uh, Anne Glem is going to continue to call her that, but... I don't know where that comes from, but she just calls everybody that and they're like, uh, no, <laughs> they don't want to be called that. So Folco was determined to have Angolem executed because she was part of a gang of youths killing and robbing, which is another similarity between her and Siri. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. And her gang worked with this guy Nightingale that we learn about in this chapter. So she was asked to turn imperial evidence, what they call it, to receive a less painful execution. So they were going to execute her no matter what, but if she gave them information, then they were just going to do like a quick and painless thing as opposed to doing some torturous, slow, drawn out thing. But uh, Falco has her describe who Geralt's been traveling with. This is part of her like turning imperial evidence. Uh, so she describes who Geralt's been traveling with and she describes everyone but Regis perfectly, including the fact that Milva's hair was cut short above her shoulders, which she only did recently. And she then warns Geralt about the half-elf who reported this information and how he hired Nightingale to kill the Witcher. So this is pretty much all she says before she's escorted back to her cell. But later on, Angolem joins the group. Since Geralt demands in order to work with Falco, he wants to bring Angolem with him. So Geralt makes it seem like he wants her to come with them for help since she knows Nightingale. But I think that it's well also because I think that is a part of it. But I think it's also because he doesn't want her left to her fate of execution because she looks so much like Siri because she reminds him of Siri. And I think this because everyone seems to find it peculiar that Geralt shows her sympathy and brought her along. Like, Falco finds it mysterious, Dandelion expresses uncertainty, Regis and Milva don't seem to be that pleased by her company. So it is, it, I don't think, like, I'm not sure if this is exactly what we're meant to believe, but that's how I interpreted it, that Geralt saw her as Siri, and because he can't help his, his Siri, he comes across this girl that looks so much like her and reminds him of her that he's going to at least try to save her if he can, which is like kind of sweet and also really sad <laughs> at the same time. So going back to this half-elf who gave Nightingale and his Hansa a contract to kill Geralt, although they didn't know who the half-elf is, he provided Nightingale with a detailed description on the company, 
where they're coming from and when they're expected to arrive in Bellhaven. So Bellhaven is on the way to the Druids' new location in Tucson. So they knew before Geralt and the company knew that they'd be heading in that direction. They knew because they knew that they were seeking the Druids and they got the update on the Druids moving to Tucson before Geralt and the group did. Now, Falco Artevelde's reason for informing Geralt of all this is so that Geralt can work with him to try and capture Nightingale since he's been such a dangerous criminal. So this Artevelde guy has been really determined to get Nightingale and he sees this as an opportunity to do so and he jumps on it. And he says that if Geralt agrees, he won't force him to explain what his mission is or any of the other odd circumstances about the group like Kahir's minor Nilfgaardian accent, uh, what's written on the papers that Dandelion carries, or why horses and dogs are unsettled by the party's approach. And Geralt agrees to comply, but not just because of Falco's threat, but because he wanted to find this half-elf who hired Nightingale and figure out how he knows what their mission is and who he's working for. Because if, they're, if there is somebody out there that's hiring someone to kill them, obviously Geralt isn't going to have any prior knowledge of that. Like, we know some little things here and there that have been going on outside of what we've been seeing with this group. But Geralt knows nothing, so you kind of you kind of have to take a step back sometimes in these chapters and remember that that what everything that we know, the characters that we see from chapter to chapter, don't know all of that information because we jump around so much. So occasionally, I have to remind myself that when I'm reading these chapters, when I'm reading these chapters, because I I'll think like, okay, well, I guess this person could be working with them, or they're probably working, but. I mean, Geralt's just been on the road for at least a couple of months now, so he's not going to know anything about it. So he's going to need to get every little bit of information that he can if it's going to threaten, one, himself, and two, his mission to rescue Siri and possibly even um, putting Siri in danger. So anyway, uh, once the company is back on the road, they discuss the issue of how the half-elf knows so much about them and where they're heading. So Dandelion thinks it's Dijkstra, Assuming he's received updates on Geralt from like Visigurd and Queen Meave, you know, these people, these really higher up people that definitely are not cool with Geralt right now <laughs> and must have concluded they're Nilfgaardian spies, but everybody quickly dismisses this possibility. It's that's not what's going on. It's it, I could see how he got there for sure, but that's that's just not the case. But Geralt tells everyone his plan to deal with the half-elf problem which is to have him, Milva, and Angolem go to Bellhaven to find this guy. And then Regis, Dandelion, and Kahir will go to Tucson to wait for them. And also, in case Geralt gets killed, they can continue on and find the druids and try to rescue Syria themselves. But Angolem points out that they should have another man in the group dealing with the half-elf, and she suggests that Kahir go instead of Milva. And this is where Geralt expresses his lack of trust for Kahir. He doesn't want Kahir to join him because he thinks that Kahir was the one who passed the information about their company. And he thinks that because he thinks that Kahir is going to want to bring Siri to the Emperor still and regain favor and station. Everyone is shocked by this. Like, this is like a big offense of Geralt, but I'm curious how other readers felt the first time reading this because I honestly considered this a possibility too for a moment. I can see why the group was astounded by what Geralt said, since they've all become really close companions. But us, the readers, 
we still haven't gotten to know Kahir that well. I mean, we've known him for a decent amount of time now, and because he's been part of this group of people that we like, part of the good guys, you know, it, he, we feel like we can trust him, but I actually had to think about that for a moment when I read this through the first time, and I thought, I mean, for all we know, he... I mean, he could have bad intentions. We never got any answers. I mean, he's been very helpful. He seems respectful, but it just hasn't been explained why he would want to help them find Siri. Maybe, not that Kahir is working in tandem with the enemy and wasn't responsible for this issue, but he, I mean, could still be after Siri for shitty reasons. But luckily, uh, this all gets cleared up. Luckily, Geralt comes to his senses and accepts that this isn't true, and he apologizes to Kahir, and we're now meant to understand Kahir isn't a traitor to them, too. Unluckily, he's now under the belief that he was betrayed, not by Kahir, but by Yennefer. Because mages, and sorry if I sound a little bit robotic as I'm explaining this part because I'm like reading it verbatim because I have no prior knowledge to this stuff before this chapter, but they say that mages can use scanning, detecting magic to remotely observe a person they were once close with and had long-term psychic contact with. But the theory that it was a mage is highly feasible because they thought their group numbered four people, not five, but that's because remote scanning spells won't detect a vampire. It makes sense for him to believe it was Yennefer, since the two of them have been extremely close in the past. And, I mean, he's had close relationships with other mages, but Yennefer and him were very, very, very close. However, we, and I get why Geralt thinks this, but it obviously we don't know 100% what's going on with her. But we have seen her up close recently, and even though it was brief, she didn't give us any reason to believe that she'd betray Geralt and work with Vilgefortz. Plus, I mean, that's what I was thinking, like, maybe it could be a twist, but I really can't see that. The same way I don't believe that she's dead, like, there's just a lot of rumors flying around about Yennefer right now, a lot of bad rumors. But plus, at the end of the chapter, we quickly return to Ciri telling Visigoda her story, and she says that she saw Geralt in that moment in a dream, and she didn't like how he was talking about Yennefer. So she seemed to know that Yennefer didn't betray him. So maybe Ciri learned what was going on between her time with Boneheart and ending up at Visigodos, because she still has some story to go between where we left off with her in the previous chapter and how she got to Visigodos. So even though Geralt believes this, I mean, it, it does kind of remain a mystery to us, but I really don't think that that's the case. And I think it is supposed to be kind of like a tragic reveal that Geralt thinks that this person that he loved so much betrayed him and did something that terrible. But like I said, it could be a twist. We have to wait and see, but it could be a big twist that Yennefer all along was evil. <laughs> I definitely believe that Vilgefortz is behind it though, since Ryan's recently told Vatir de Rideau that he and Vilgefortz know where this group is. But if that detecting magic requires a mage who was close with a member of the group, I'm, I'm just not sure how that would work. Like if it wasn't Yennefer, then how were they able to do that without having somebody that was close? Or did they have somebody else, like another mage that was close with a member of the group? Either way, I don't think Yennefer betrayed them. Yeah. And, and same way, I don't think she's dead. I think that they're just giving us some false information so that maybe we can just 
be provoked a little bit to think certain things or to consider certain possibilities. But yeah, it's just we'll have to wait and see. Like I think I say in every episode, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, so yeah, speaking of false beliefs, uh, another unfortunate thing, Geralt now believes Siri is dead when we know for sure this isn't something that is kind of uh, up to theorize about. And we do know for sure she's not. It's left very vague, but during the night of the equinox, which is September 23rd, Geralt and Kahir had a sense of foreboding that left them to believe she died among hostile strangers. So now... Their mission is to find out where Vilgefortz and Yennefer are and to take their revenge against them. So that's really shitty. And uh, like I previously mentioned, we get a short look back at Ciri telling Vice to go to what happened. So the night following the arena incident, this is just kind of like not totally relevant to them thinking that she's dead, but I wanted to make sure that I pointed this this out and I didn't include it in the summary. But the night following the arena incident that we learned about in the last chapter, Boneheart flogged her and locked her in a cellar where she slept and dreamt of Geralt in the moment when he announced her death. It's just really sad because she felt so helpless seeing him believe these falsities, including not just her death, but Yennefer's betrayal. And it's, it's sad and it's also interesting to think about how Geralt had a lot of nightmares about her where he felt helpless, like he couldn't do anything even though there was, he, wa he wanted to be able to intervene, but he couldn't because he can't get to her. And now she's having dreams about him or, I mean, we only know about the one dream, but maybe she'll continue having dreams. But she had a dream about him where she felt helpless, like she wanted to be able to tell him, like, I'm alive, Yennefer didn't betray you. So, it's a bummer. Alright, well, for my closing thoughts. Some parts of this chapter were pretty emotional. Like, it, it, when you think about the chapter as a whole, I don't think you immediately go to, yeah, that was an emotional chapter, but when you break it down, there were a lot of emotional parts. Like, when Geralt first sees Angela M and he thinks it's Siri. I mean, I know I was a little bit annoyed by that. <laughs> by what I thought was going to be some shocking twist. It turned out to just be another person. But uh, it was still like you do feel really bad for him. Like in that moment, it was a huge surprise just immediately turned out to not be a surprise. And then when Geralt and Kahir fight, that was pretty emotional, pretty tense and uh, uncomfortable. And also just like, I don't know, it's like... Have, have, Maybe we've all been there before where you see like two people that you care about, like get not getting along. Maybe you even have seen two people you care about get into a fist fight. And it's just, it's, it's really hard. Like I, you really feel bad for the other members of the group when that happens. Like Milva kind of loses her mind for a second there and starts hitting them with her, with the belt. And she even goes a little bit overboard and like keeps hitting them even after they stop. So yeah, it was just, that was a bad moment. And then also when Geralt announces that Ciri's dead and then he places the blame on Yennefer. That was really sad. That was that was really disappointing. I felt very bummed reading that because Geralt's got to be in probably one of the worst places. He, he doesn't, well, we don't at least get to explore his emotions. It happens right at the end of the chapter. But I think maybe he's just more focused on revenge than anything. So maybe he's just being driven by anger at the moment. But 
that anger will eventually be replaced by extreme sorrow for everything that's going on in that situation. Unless he can figure out before it gets to that point that Yennefer didn't betray him and Ciri's alive. Okay, well, looking ahead, my new little section at the end of the episode, uh, I just have one little thing here. I wonder how different things are going to be now that Geralt thinks that she's dead. I know that I was just talking about how he's probably going to end up really sad if he doesn't figure out the truth soon, but I'm sure that at least between now and when he either gets to that point or uh, when he finds out the truth, he's going to be approaching certain situations differently. I'm thinking that he is probably going to be a lot more reckless since he's acting out of revenge instead of with the intention of finding and rescuing Siri. So I'm pretty interested to see how that unfolds, like how he's going to handle things going forward. He's probably not going to be as careful, and I think he's probably going to get pretty violent. I mean, maybe against people that deserve it. This half-elf and this guy Nightingale don't sound like they're good people, obviously. So if he takes it out on them, then that's not a bad thing. If he takes it on Vilgefort, it's Boneheart, that would be great. But I think that they're a little more unattainable <laughs> than the other guys. Alrighty, well, that's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.